Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Uncharted Territory podcast. My name is Chad Olson, and I'm coming to you from a sweltering plus 90 degree central Iowa. It's uh, thankfully not humid, but man, it is hot outside. So we uh, have a, a, a full slate of participants and guests tonight. This is our, our could be known as our greatest show ever, most guests, most Federation fanatics of the month in one place, in one gathering at one time in podcast land. So um, people, put on your seatbelts and buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Okay, I'm going to introduce the panelists uh, first. Let's see, from Virginia, let's talk to Stu Lowry. Stu, how you doing? Chad, I'm doing fantastic. We had an absolute chamber of commerce weather day down here. Uh, 82 degrees, very low humidity. We're going to have similar weather the next two days. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, Grant. The weather is great in Virginia right now, and I am ready to go on this star-studded extravaganza. All right. Thank you, Stu. Stuart is always making friends here on, on the podcast. Uh, how about Tim Dalton in Western New York? Tim, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Chad. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the intro. Things are wonderful here in Buffalo. It's uh, 75 degrees, sunny, low humidity going to stay that way for the next few days uh so things are glorious here as well and the new york yankees are in town playing the uh the toronto blue jays for the next two or three nights so uh that that's good and uh, hopefully bring some uh, business to our downtown area and our restaurants and bars and and gets them cranking i'm sure it's going to be almost like a home game uh for the yankees for the next uh, few nights here so should be fun Tim, if uh, New York Yankees and a, a fried bologna sandwich at the stadium isn't got Tim Dalton written all over it, I don't know what it does. All right. Now for my baby brother, Corey Olson up in Minnesota. Corey, how you doing? I'm doing well, brother. Thank you. Good evening or good morning whenever you're listening to this promoters. Uh, here in Maplewood, the, we've cooled down a little bit, uh, kind of the high 80s, low 90s, a little less humidity. You can actually enjoy being outside now. So uh, summer's and kicking off, uh, things are going on. So, and, uh, things are going on here in the, in the wrestling game world. And we're happy to talk to you and, uh, relive some past uh, issues of the super report here with our very special guests. Speaking of past issues, here's a past issue for my past Mark Ashby. How you doing here to review some super reports with us? I'm back for more. Uh, we were caught in a polar vortex today. We were down at 18 degrees. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we actually did have a, a storm come through. Uh, we weren't usually, I'm, I'm basically just saying whatever Stu said, but we were a little cooler than him today. Had some rain. Uh, but here in Western Maryland, it was a, a very pleasant day. Uh, we actually, it was a pleasant day to buy a car for one of my uh, children uh, today that he can't actually drive yet because he's not licensed to drive. But that's been my day. Uh, how about y'all? I, I saw your car purchase on, on the, the book face. Yeah. I'm glad the residuals from this podcast can help you out with your finances. Yeah, really. You know, it's, it's every little bit helps. Yep. And, and new to the profit sharing Ponzi scheme of uncharted territory, our second guest tonight, one of the two Federation fanatics of the month. Let's welcome Matt Dickendesher in Michigan. How you doing, sir? Doing great. Um, I have a present issue with Mark Gaspy, so that's one of the reasons I wanted to make sure I was on, but. Otherwise, in central Michigan, it's 63 and sunny, which is way cooler than it has been, but it sounds like hot weather might be coming east, which I don't like. But it's All great right. to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. Always glad to have a first-time guest on the show and somebody to kind of 
come back and uh, relive their memories of, of what was going on back back in the day with Phil Singer. Games. Ah, I caught that. Mark, yeah. Mark yeah. still thinks it's a bad title. <laughs> I didn't say any of them were any good, Matt. So, you know, at least <laughs> everybody's in the same company. <laughs> well, well, finally, after 30 some years, this grudge will be set up tonight because um, if nothing else, we are the, uh, the Switzerland of podcasts and, and we bring people together and maintain neutrality. So before we dig into the, the topic at hand, which is Club Galactica Super Reports, January and February 1989, um, we did have a new announcement on the Legends of Wrestling front last uh, Friday night. Don Curtis, another member of the Tragos Thez Hall of Fame, is going to be in the Tragos Thez Hall of Fame set. I w- reached out to his wife, uh, Dottie, who had attended his induction, and I think she had come for a couple of years, and reached out to her on Facebook. She's... Uh, friends with uh, a couple of folks from around here and just has been wonderful to work with. And um, she shared, we're having a little problem with some of the artwork and she shared this photo of Don and it was um, her and Don together, I would say very early in their marriage. So it was, it was kind of poignant that she shared that. It was kind of cool to see that. So um, Don Curtis, I, I believe he's from your neck of the woods, isn't he, Tim? Do you want to speak on him? Don Boydelman. From Buffalo, New York, who changed his name to Don Curtis uh, later in his wrestling career, uh, probably best known for his tag work with Mark Lewin, another Buffalo, New York native. Uh, so always good to have Western New York representation. We got a couple in in here now with with uh, you know Don and, and Gorilla Monsoon, who is uh, from Rochester, New York, via you know Manchuria. So mm-hmm. uh, very nice to uh, have have a couple guys from Western New York represented in the set. Don's a great, uh, he was a great tag wrestler, uh, had uh, a lot of tag partners other than, other than Mark, uh, and uh, also held a lot of singles titles, which really wasn't highlighted in his bio that was on the, the, uh, the website, but um, he was a good singles wrestler as well, so should be a great addition to the game. I'm really looking forward to having him in there. And, you know, one thing that um, I don't think has been mentioned, or I don't know if it's been known a lot. Curtis was a promoter down in Florida, and I believe he also gave um, uh, Thunderbolt Patterson some some airtime and some shots down there. So, you know, maybe you can bring them in as a team in, in your federation. Uh, Stu, what do you think? I'm liking Don Curtis. I mean, I'd love it if we had Mark Lewin too, but you never know. Uh, that, that day may come where we have them both because that would be one great tag team. But he's a classic baby face. Uh, I think he... I think he mostly always was a baby face, if, if I'm correct on that, in terms of his career. Yeah, and Don, just, and, Don and Mark did have a, a heel run later uh, okay. in their tag, tag career, but, but for the most part, Don was a baby face almost everywhere he went. And I think he was trained with, for the pro game by Luthez, so that could be a, a fun little combo you have there with Don Curtis and Luthez, and we're always uh, up for more, more baby faces and legends and the he fills a very nice niche as far as that's con- that is concerned for mid card or maybe upper mid card. So great to have him. So when I was researching Don, I was watching a tag match with him and Mark Lewin. And if they weren't heels in this match, they were the world's roughest babysit baby uh, face babysitters, baby faces. <laughs> they were think- the roughest babysitters. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I was thinking of about the check. I got to write my nanny at the end of the week. Um, but holy cow, they beat the tar out of these two guys in a 
two out of three falls match. And um, yeah, go look for that online. It's from those Chicago film archives. And I don't think it was befitting of the normal style they use, but they kick the crap out of these two dudes. So Corey, what do you think about Don Curtis? I'll just go back to the talk about the artwork for a second. You know, I think after some several tries and getting that photo from Dottie, you know, I think the artwork turned out well. Um, it was a cool photo that she sent. It, I, Chad, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was maybe like a Christmas picture or something. They were very dressed up. Yeah. Um, so it was just very, very uh, helpful and very thoughtful of her to share such a, a good photo. That was a personal memory of hers. And uh, yeah, as far as the wrestling card, you know, this is, this is a great uh, character to add to your fed. Um, can do a lot of things, uh, like as, as we've said, can team up with a lot of the baby faces, whether Thunderbolt, Fez, or somebody else. Um, just, you know, very, a very kind of utility card can, can do a lot of things in your federation. So I think uh, promoters will enjoy him, and I think it's a good addition to the game and a great way to honor Don. Yes, I agree. I think it's, I think it's really cool. Dottie was pleased with the artwork. So, um, you know, just, just great to get another good name from the past out there. Um, some kind of hot off the press news that I don't even know if I've shared with the rest of the legend staff yet. Um, the impact pro wrestling set that we were going to do for this summer, we're going to, we're going to pump the brakes on that and probably delay it. Um, no, no, Stu's, Stu's weepy. It's okay, Stu. Um, Troy and I spoke to Todd last night and we had a good 45 minute conversation you know, just with everything coming out right now and with the timing of things and trying to get stuff ready for Galacticon, uh, you know, we wanted, you know, as Troy said, we've waited 10 years. We can, we can wait a little longer. Just want to get the roster right, right. The artwork, right. You know, we'd been kind of pushing it to get it done. So we'd have it for our, our string of County fair shows in July, but it just wasn't um, coming together. And it's, it's honestly, if anything, it's on our side, because we're trying to, you know, we planned our big 20th anniversary show on May 8th, and then we're taking care of the Tragostez Hall of Fame stuff. And, you know, we're kind of neck deep in that right now. So we're going to, you know, look for that like next, probably next May or so. So that way we do have it for, for next summer. So uh, fear not, it will be coming. Um, there's no ill will between Phil Singer Games or Impact Pro Wrestling. And um, in actuality, we thought of some great collaborations for next summer. Um, maybe in terms of Galacticon and the TNT Hall of Fame and um, some collaboration for that. So, so stay tuned for that information. I think Todd will start uh, talking about that uh, maybe at Galacticon this year. Um, and then speaking of being neck deep, we're neck deep in editing the Tragostez Hall of Fame set. Uh, gentlemen, you have any comments on, on what's going on with that? Uh, we're getting ready to hand the baton off and hand the stats to Mike. Corey? Um, yeah, this is, you know, it, we, we haven't even announced everybody publicly let, yet. We just uh, were discussing, I think, this week's announcement uh, according to our original schedule. And if it goes according to schedule, it's going to be a big name. And I think a lot of promoters are going to be excited. And even beyond this week, we still got a couple of big names left that we haven't announced. So um, the I, in no, no uh, offense to any of the other wrestlers in the set, but I think the best is yet to come. And uh, this is a fun set. To, this was a fun set to put together the stats and everything. We, we had some emails today, discussed our, our nerd sheet, our legendary nerd sheet. And uh, we've kind of, you know, shuffled things around. So everybody's a little bit different. And there's some unique mechanics and some different things that'll be on these cards. So um, this is, I'm really excited about this set. This is going to be a really fun set. All right. Thank you, Corey. 
No, I just think it's been it's I'm, been a good I'm, process. I mean, I think we're getting through it and uh, you know trying to come up with some unique things on a couple of the guys just to to uh, really reflect their styles in the ring. And uh, just even though we've got a lot of guys that have obviously with this this kind of a set, you're going to have guys that have amateur brat backgrounds, so you'll have some similarities, but you want to uh, kind of you know make sure everybody's got their own uh, unique style or unique. Uh, you know, unique uh, move set represented well, and we're uh, we're knocking it out. So it's it's coming soon. I would say something, Chad, but I'm I'm so scared. My enthusiasm will make me blurt out something that's a spoiler. So let's just say my enthusiasm runneth over, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah, we actually had to delay our taping a few minutes because we we spoiled something to Matt, and he actually passed out, and we had to get him some smelling salts <laughs> to revive him. So. Uh, we're we're about 10 minutes late than usual so it, it's jam-packed with excitement folks so all right and now let's get into our, our main point of discussion we're going to take a look back at the club galactica super reports from january and february 1989 we'll post both of those in our archive on google um first i want to ask matt um just his kind of his perspectives on uh, champions of the galaxy at the time and club galactica and what he remembers about getting into it and his initial thoughts of the game well, um, got the game in 86, not one of the first 500, unfortunately, but, you know, probably somewhere in the 500 to 600 range, perhaps. And, you know, enjoyed it, played it, got the newsletters that Tom sent out and saw the whole Club Galactica thing and signed up right away. Was uh, falsely told that my uh, newsletter name was the runner up when Mark hated it and, you know, 33 years later, I'm, I have no bitterness toward that. <laughs> it's good to see you put it behind you. <laughs> Although he never told me he hated the name, I guess, until I heard it on the podcast. So I guess I didn't know. Well, sometimes we're always the last to know, aren't we? <laughs> Bearing your feelings for 33 years, Matt. That's what that was. <laughs> you know, it, it's our goal by the end of the night that we repaired relationships and we can go forward with a new, our aim here is to really be the Henry Kissinger of podcasting. Um, here on that's what we do yeah yeah yep so that's that's deep yeah it's deep something a lot of deep yep yep (laughs) all right well um you know starting off early on who were some of your favorites in those first couple of sets matt well uh, you know at the time obviously star warrior was the one i gravitated towards is if i started later on i probably wouldn't have picked him as my favorite but you know like star warrior obviously wolf um comrade terror was always a favorite uh, once death knight transformed he was one of my favorites so i'm not pete beck and that it's death knight i'm more of a death mask guy but <laughs> you know really everybody there was only 24 characters and which you know became obviously 36 and then it it was very easy to be into all of them, I guess, at the time. There's really nobody that I incredibly disliked in the original set. There mm-hmm. were a few I disliked as we got going along, but not up not up front because everything was unique and you needed all those guys because with only 24 or 36, you couldn't just throw a couple to the side. Right, right. Very, that's that's a great point. So starting off the, the January issue, Mark, um, we have the blockbuster announcement that Club Galactica is now under joint management with you and, and Dave Simonak um, as co-presidents and editors. How did that come about? There's a saying 
squeaky wheel gets the grease, something like that. Um, it's difficult to talk about Dave. The people who are longtime folks will know it's it's there's a lot of a lot of history there. I will just say that lingering from the early days of the club, um, there was sort of a <laughs> we're talking about resentment, maybe. Um, I felt like there might have been a little bit of resentment from Dave for a while over the fact that uh I don't know whether it was because Tom chose me or uh, whatever it was. Um, but I think that was just sort of my way of saying, okay, let's just try to reach out an olive branch. There was, there was tension from the get-go with, with me and Dave for various reasons. I don't know how much we want to get into that, but I can say that that was probably the main uh, factor in in that decision to to do that just you know because I, I i could handle all the club dude it wasn't that i needed assistance in that regard um it, it, i think it was just that okay hot shot you think you can do it let's see <laughs> that's kind of mm -hmm. what that was to be quite honest with you yeah no i mean you, you know the people who were were around kind of know the history you know, I, I think when you have people who are enthusiastic, especially when they're teenagers, sometimes uh, common sense can kind of overrule things. Well, you know, I, I think it was kind of good of you to extend an olive branch to him and try to get him involved because obviously he was very enthusiastic about the game, too. So, um, you know, kudos to you for doing that and, and try to, you know, unify two enthusiastic and energetic sources about uh, Champions of the Galaxy. All right, Stu is going to do his very brief ratings analysis for both January and February, and exciting news with uh, February and a new title introduced. Indeed, and I will keep this very brief. First and foremost, in the January issue, we have a new singles champion in Thantos. Uh, the summary says, in fact, finally, after eons of trying, Thantos displays Star Warrior as GWF champion in the singles rankings. It had been a while. Star Warrior slips to number one after being the champion for quite some time. And the top 10 are rounded out by Massif at number two, Bishop Hell at number three, Wolf remaining at number four, Renegade vaulting up six spots from 11 to number five. Renegade, that's quite a run. Uh, Mesmer coming up from number eight to number six. Spike also having a pretty healthy climb up from 16 to number seven. Commander Sam goes up one spot for number nine to eight, and Actagon goes up from 18 to nine, and number 10 in the rankings, uh, the Invincible Kraken, who slipped from number five. The tag team rankings, uh, the Gladiators overtook the Greek gods, winning the championship there. Ooh. Uh, I know. The world is not right in terms in when this issue came out, at least. The Greek gods were the number one ranked tag team contender, slipping from the championship ranks. Uh, the Norse gods, how did they get to number two? Uh, they came if up from number four. Know, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm going to be talking about Around the Galaxy a little bit later. But if you look at the Around the Galaxy results, the Norse gods did pretty well, at least in, in those you know specific promoters' feds. I, I don't understand it because they didn't do anything for me. I think they may have won more matches in the uh, around the galaxy results than they ever did for me. 
Uh, I didn't get yeah. these rankings from nowhere, Tim. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. I just looked at mine. They won, a, they won on my show. God. I'm looking for Beauty and the Beast in the tag rankings because I was just looking at my results. They became my champions in early 1989. So I must have sent my results in. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't see them there either, Matt. They're followed, uh, Norse gods are followed by Titan Power remaining at number three, followed by the Animan of Andromeda. Is that, uh, that's Badger and Ram, is that correct? I think that's what, yeah, I don't think, okay. I, I think we just sort of, honestly, if, if I remember right, I think we even talked about this. It was sort of like the Freebird rule. I free think I, rule. yeah, I think All I just right. gave it to, for anybody that was any of the Animan were in there. Okay. And rounding out the top five in the January edition is the Bomb Squad, which that would have been Adam Blast and Commander Sam, if memory serves. Right. So that's your rankings in terms of January. Go ahead, Chad. Are you going to say something? No, I said yes. It was Sam and Blast. I was okay. agreeing with you. So let's go to February. We still have uh, remaining in the championship uh, slot is Thantos. He uh, <clears throat> remained champion ahead of the following Star Warrior at number one, Wolf coming up two spots from number four to number two, Bishop Hell remaining at number three, Massive slipping a couple of spots from number two in January to now number four, Spike uh, continues his ascent, he is at number five in February, coming up from number seven, the Bounty Hunter making a huge leap from number 20 to number six. Always like the Bounty Hunter, so that's a deserved uh, good run for him. Renegade somehow remains in the top 10, but he does slip a couple of spots to number seven from number five. Mesmer's at number eight, slipping from number six. Commander Sam holding pretty steady. He go comes up or goes down to number nine from number eight. And Actagon rounds out the top 10, Actagon making the top 10. Uh, or excuse me, he made the top 10 last time, slipping from number nine to number 10. The tag ranks, the Gladiators hold on to the belts. Uh, so they are the champions in terms of, or for the month of February. The Greek gods are still ranked number one. So all is still not right in the world with February. They had not overtaken the Gladiators for the champions, for the championship. The Norse gods remain at number two. So, Tim, there is some merit to what you were saying. They're hanging in there. Uh, Alien Core goes up from six to three. Now, who's Alien Core? Is that Tong Soon or? Tong Soon and Comrade that? Terror. Terror, yep. Comrade Terror. A great, a great pairing. Animan uh, maintain their hold on. The, you're right. Maintain their hold on number four. And then the Bomb Squad maintain their hold on number five. So those are the rankings for January and February. Not a whole lot of movement other than the aforementioned big jumps of Bounty Hunter and then in February, and then Spike had a pretty good jump in January. That gives you a pretty good thumbnail sketch of the way things were looking way back when. What about the new title in February? Stu, did you want to talk about that? Ah, uh, I'm so glad you prompted me on that. And I, because I've asked about 17 times when the interplanetary title was introduced. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen, it is introduced in February. The interplanetary champion rolled out as the official secondary championship of the GWF. And who better to hold that title than Star Warrior? Uh, he is the first interplanetary champion uh, crowned in February of 89. And the top 10 for the IP championship are as follows. Wolf at number one, Phantos at number two, 
Spike at number three, Mesmer at number four, Bishopel at number five, the Invincible Kraken at number six, the Executioner at seven, Brute at eight. Oh man, some really long matches with his singles guard. Those those could be really rough. Renegade is at number nine, and Massive is at number ten. So those are your rankings for the newly sanctioned belt, the Interplanetary Championship. And uh, did it, is there an official? Uh, do we know who officially named this title, or is that just something lost to the sands of time? Probably wasn't, probably wasn't no. Matt. No, no, probably wasn't. <laughs> we know he's not um, a good namer. No, <laughs> terrible namer. <laughs> if I, I, it is. I mean, I don't have a clear memory of of where it came from. Mine was Interstellar. Uh, my secondary title was always Interstellar. I did have an Interplanetary later that was sort of the equivalent of my TV title, I guess you could call it. Um, but I think it was probably, if I had to guess the reasoning, it was probably just that was the most common name among secondary titles. So I think that could have been, I mean, if I'm thinking of how I would have decided that, that would have been my thought process. But uh, I wouldn't stake my reputation on that being the reason. And that's what I called my secondary title since, you know, 2087. So that has to be right. Yeah. Well, you know, you heard it here first. It's a great name. Corey, what do you, what do you want to contribute there, friend? Just a quick question for Mark. You know, we talked before on previous episodes, as far as how you figured out the rankings, the champions and all of that with this additional category now, and, you know, looking at some of the around the galaxy results, several promoters had, you know, an interplanetary, a uh, special match as a TV, you know, separate, maybe had several singles titles. Did you have to, I guess, differentiate and kind of pick and choose, figure out what their, you know, second tier belt was and then the third and so on, or did you just kind of throw all the points together for this, this rankings? How did that, how did that work? Yeah. As I recall, the main rankings was aggregated every title, but major titles, you know, a Galaxian galactic title, those were weighted double like let's say they were at two points and then anything else that was a minor title was one point and then for interplanetary it was just anything that was not the main title uh that that became part of that interplanetary ranking so it was just it was easier that way and then you know later on we got in other things like special matches and, and other other kind of titles that obviously had their own sort of thing but yeah interplanetary was just anything that wasn't the main belts sure okay all right. Thank you for that in-depth analysis, Stuart. Uh, Matt, did these rankings kind of reflect some of who your early champions were? Do you recall? I think you just mentioned Beauty and the Beast were your tag champs at one point. Yeah, I actually just looked. Um, Thantos had just beaten Star Warrior for my title around this time. So those were kind of the main two going back and forth. And, you know, gladiators were always right up there, even though this particular time, my wonderful reign with Vanity and the Creeper, but pretty much the gladiators and the Greek gods. I don't know how the Norse gods are that high, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it must have been somebody's champion. I guess sooner or later they beat the Greek gods in a fluke and then bump up there. Nowhere. All right. Uh, next, let's go to our ringside reporter, Tim Dalton with Around the Galaxy. Yeah, so we've got a lot of a uh, lot of contributions here. We got a couple pages uh, in in each newsletter going through and uh, talking about different uh, different results that were sent in by promoters all over. Uh, for January, we've got uh, Mike Burns, I believe it is, B-E-H-R-N-S, uh, from Iron Ridge, Wisconsin. Gary Overbay, uh, Brian Barrow, who I know was a big contributor early, Randy Barning, 
uh, Jamie Grisnickel, uh, Tom Filsinger. I've heard the name before. Uh, Whatever Jason happened to Davis. that guy? Yeah. Uh, Chad Olson, another, another Yahoo that sends stuff in. Uh, Dan Mitchell and Dave Lalesi, who I know we've talked about before. And, uh, you know, everybody had some good stuff going on. I was really surprised with, uh, uh, with, with Mike Burns, the, uh, the Superstars of Wrestling show that he sent in. He must have had some, some good luck with the managers on the dice rolls because he had Trainer Jim beat, beating Phantos and the Royal Overlord beating Spike. So, oh, I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Uh, but um, uh, let me see, what else did we have? So in the, uh, uh, for, for Gary Overbay, his first annual tournament, the final Star Warrior beat Spike and won a $500,000 grand prize. Now, what are the tax implications of winning a prize such as that in a tournament setting, it, Tim? It, it, it depends on, on uh, what galaxy and what, uh, you know, provincial uh, areas you're in. Uh, gotcha. But, uh, it, it can't be good. It can't be good. I know you've studied some interstellar tax regulations, especially <laughs> ones involving Uranus. So Yeah, that, I, especially those. Yes. Um, and then in some other things, I think Tom had a, a big uh, six-man Aetherin Ultimate Escape match. Um, and then in his big, in his main event, he had Phantos and Bishop Hell winning by DQ over Star Warrior and Galactic Punisher. Um, Jason Davis has had, had a guy called the Doom Day, Doom Day Destroyer, who I'm not quite sure if that was a, uh, just another name for somebody or if it was a bootleg character. But you see in a lot of these results, a lot of bootleg or a lot of the, uh, the Norse gods uh, victorious uh it, that that's what kind of got me was i was looking this over and i'm going on oh, no wonder they were rated so high because the, the, for somebody they they apparently used to win matches um but that's kind of the highlights from from january and then in february we got uh that chad olson guy again sending stuff in mike burns is back josh hansford uh mark ashby sending in some results and the x-man uh myron coleman uh who uh, big Galactcon one attendee that that kind of got a lot of things rolling for us there when uh, when we were kind of sitting around that first year in Jamestown at the Sheldon House. Um, but Chad uh, Chad's card, you, you had a Titan Death match, a boot camp match, and a chain match. Um, I like my steps back, man. That's it. I, you were a stipulation guy with Star Warrior getting the the the, the world title back from Mad Jester and with a chain. Where, where does the world title rank with regards to the galactic title? Uh, I mean, I, it, I, which world I, does it relate to? All of them. It should be a world's apostrophe, right, Corey? Is that the proper use of the apostrophe? Very good. That, that I change my title yes. names a lot. <laughs> well, then for uh, for on Mike's show, I, I mean, uh, he had his junior heavyweight title <laughs> tournament, and in the finals, he had Spike beating Raynard Beguile. And I'm like, I never quite saw Spike as a junior heavyweight, but you know, to each their own. He uh, uh, he cut a lot of weight. Yeah, cut weight. You wore plastics for a couple weeks. Terror were in there. I mean, they were interesting guys. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And then uh, Josh Hansford had a uh, uh, Omega pinning the Royal Overlord and then hitting him with a baseball bat. So, you know, that's very, <laughs> very babyface like. And then uh that's the, the living legend for you. There you go. <laughs> I'm mad as hell and I'm not gonna take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You'll mess him up Cena style. <laughs> Woo. 
And then Myron had an all Aetherin uh, escape match card, uh, which if, if you've ever looked at Myron's stuff, that's pretty, uh, pretty standard for him. He was a big stipulation guy as well. Pretty tame for him. Yeah, yeah actually, nobody died, I think, in this one. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Um, which we'll, t- we'll, we'll talk about that someday when we get, get to the risk, uh, the match that he created. Um, but I like how Mark's uh, card was cut off and they don't get the end of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was interesting. Just sorry out of room. So perhaps that got into the, to, to some of the, the, the issues there. It goes to my point from earlier, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you had but, Santos and Boxer. I kind of remember this. Uh, yeah, Santos and Billy Joe Boxer as a team. I turned, yeah, I turned Billy Joe Boxer pretty early on. Just you know, uh, I it was. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly. What, it was there was some sort of resentment angle with him and Lord Nexus. Like you know, he he was not grateful for Nexus. You know, kind of being his mentor, and it was you know the the classic you know the the protege turning on the 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 you know grasshopper is is now the, trying to be the master, and obviously going to someone who's going to theoretically build him up higher uh, which was Dantas in that case and then you had Renegade and Vanity back together where they were the faces against Brute and Spike in that one right because yes. yeah they guy? were mm-hmm. okay see I remember some things yeah <laughs> better than I do probably <laughs> a lot of cases yeah but do you remember who impregnated that. Sweet Thing in Mark's head yeah oh man <laughs> <laughs> I mean I remember the angle <laughs> was it Beast Drive? No, it was Rainer Beguile, wasn't it? Or no, was that the, the swerve? It wasn't Rainer Beguile. You know what? Maybe Matt should tell this. I don't uh, remember the result. <laughs> it was the, the whole swerve was Rainer Beguile. You know, yeah, to be that's... honest with you, it's all lost in the mist of time for me. The whole the whole idea was that it was supposed to be Rainer Beguile, but no, it was actually uh after all the paternity tests were done, it was vanity, as I recall. So yeah. Oh, there we go. But Rainer really wanted you to believe he got some there. All right, now we have pretty much the biggest part of the whole show. We probably just quit after this part. Um, I mentioned we have two Federation of Fanatics of the Month on on this episode. I myself was named Federation Fanatic of the Month in in January of 1989, and then Matt was named Federation Fanatic of the Month in February of 1989. And you know what? I don't think there's a better one-two punch to start off the year 1989. What about you, Matt? And I wasn't named until it became Dave's newsletter for the month. So you can tell that Mark's resentment towards me has gone back a long, long ways. You know, I wasn't going to point that out, but, you know, he had to get in through a loophole somehow. I mean, I, fans, I think this is going to take us a couple episodes to iron out. We might have to have Matt back on. So that's kind of the uh, the, the, the quick overview of the uh, Around the Galaxy for January and February. I thought it was pretty interesting stuff. So yeah, my uh, blah blah blah. Mine's a bunch of mine's a bunch of malarkey. And, oh, yeah, and like you said, we have galaxy. That's a bunch of malarkey. All right. Well, I did. I had a lot of juice, heavy heavy blading, because <laughs> I had all those special matches. Yep. And like you said, always have the school picture involved there. Oh, and I mentioned the scaffold battle royal. Yeah. <laughs> the infamous scaffold classic. battle royal. <laughs> you say with the adjective terrifying. It's a terrifying scaffold. I mean, as as we I saw thought, from those results, I think there was reason to be terrified. I thought he was referring to the sweater he was wearing in the picture. <laughs> oh, come on. That was nice. A little gray and white number. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I, I, I remember what they, that looked like in color. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't much color. No. 
All right, and then we go to we go to Matt, who had some very creative feuds, as you can see. Yes, yes. So, talk about making an Aetherin death match. Do you recall what the steps were on that? I got it. Yeah, there was. Oh my gosh! I keep everything. It was just a dorky chart, you know. This. Oh yeah. Nothing special, but I have it. Very good. And you talk about Galaxy Mania April. You have the Phil Singer Cup. The GWF Wrestling Spectacular and on Thanksgiving of the Galactic Gathering. Now, have those stayed with your fat as you played through the years? Galaxy Mania every year, uh, Galactic Gathering every year, although it's not Thanksgiving, it's the year end nowadays. But gotcha. Um, the other ones have kind of gone away, but Full Singer Cup, you know, kept it through about 2100 something or other, but Very didn't good. keep all those tag teams around after that. <laughs> but it was fun for the time. Yeah, no, it absolutely was. I mean, I think, you know, you make good points in here. It, it was just cool to have this newsletter that was about something we were also passionate about and, um, you know, kind of started building the community that we still have today. So, yeah, it gave me all those original feuds of the Titans versus the Masked Assassins, the Greek Gods and the Gladiators, and Star Warrior versus Santos. I mean, nobody else was running those feuds. <laughs> did you normal? Did you do your own thing or did you kind of stick to Tom's storylines? Um, I did my own thing a lot more than like Mark had done. I had Billy Joe Boxer turn and join uh, the Society of Death, and I'd flipped Mesmer back and forth and Bishop Hell back and forth. And had Commander Sam flip, well, back and forth. I guess nobody stayed permanently because once the next set came out, I tried to at least realign. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I moved some guys around. Very good. All right. So, uh, but all kidding aside, it was cool to be recognized in this, you know, back then when you were a kid and, um, you know, just kind of spotlighted for what you're doing with your game. So thank you, Mark. We appreciate the selection. At least I do. I do for mine. I don't know what the hell Matt did for his. But. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thanking Dave. <laughs> there yeah. Posthumous. <laughs> okay. So let's see. Next. Tim, you want to talk about Tom's update and his, his big move? Yeah, so big news. Uh, you know, no more Lindhurst, Ohio address uh, when, when you're sending stuff in. We are, we are heading out on January 7th and moving to Jamestown, New York. And uh, to, he's embarking on married life, professional bliss, and uh, to start thinking about Invasion 3 coming up. So... So yeah, so this was the beginning of the whole Jamestown era here. And, uh, uh, you know, he was talking about some of the other things that, that uh, different activities that, that people were doing and, you know, GWF calendars and, and uh, uh, 2088 Achievement Awards coming up and, um, and then, then kind of bagging on the blue blazer, WWF's blue blazer, and saying it sure looks like one of the guys in the GWF, doesn't it? Um, I'm not quite sure who he's even talking about. I'm not sure. <laughs> that high-flying fan favorite guy. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. And then, uh, unfortunately, in, uh, in, in the February issue, we, we didn't have a, the article from Tom because it, it was not received in time uh, by, by Dave Simonak to, to get it in there. Uh, but instead, he did, he did briefly talk about uh, a crooked referee chart uh, that, that, that he kind of had, and you'd it just roll dice, and you'd have the, 
you know, the, the honest Abe guy, the slow count Steve and, and uh, the, you know, uh, so that kind of took the place of, of Tom's column for February. So. You'd think yeah, you'd hold off is... on the presses for a day or two, just in case Tom sent something in. Yeah. <laughs> Tom might've lost his article while moving. <laughs> the, yeah. 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 It was Wait, in a box man. somewhere. It was in with the kitchen utensils. Yeah. Right next to the spatula. Yeah. But it, uh, but, the, but yeah, so this really kicked off the whole, uh, the whole Jamestown era and, and, uh, and started that whole thing so yeah pretty cool uh pretty interesting news so that crooked ref thing i'm pretty sure that was borrowed from superstar pro wasn't there a little blurb in the I, rule book for yeah I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure when uh I, I don't remember what edition that they really started talking about that but i remember because I, I as soon as i saw the honest abe thing i'm like yeah he might have lifted that from from someplace else so yeah i i think that uh if it's not a direct uh, direct theft, it's probably indirect. So, well, I mean, I I certainly did a lot of charts based off the Superstar Pro things. So, your your Sandinista death match was fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> As was my scaffold match. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what the you know what if it's good stuff, you got to be able to steal it. I mean, I think that's only fair. Yep, absolutely. Uh, okay, let's see. Moving along, Corey. Here to cover the 2088 Achievement Awards. Yes, so in the January issue, of course, starting off the new year with uh, award winners from the previous year. Uh, and again, we would have had a, up through 2088 at this point. Um, you know, very much a lot of the categories that you would see in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated year-end awards for those who were reading that at the time. Uh, good thing here. These awards were voted on legitimately and uh, not just uh, chosen by Bill Apter and his staff. So, uh, but uh, cool to see some of the results here. I won't read through all the uh, runners up, but I'll go th just through the winners here. Uh, for Rookie of the Year, we have Bishop Hell. Most Improved Wrestler was Pulsar. I found that very interesting. Most Popular Wrestler was Star Warrior. Most Hated Wrestler was Thantos. Inspirational Wrestler was Omega. Feud of the Year was Star Warrior against Bishop Hell. And Match of the Year, which I kind of thought was an interesting category to have there was a tie star warrior against wolf and renegade against splatter and then tag team of the year was the gladiators and wrestler of the year was star warrior um we'll get to some unofficial awards here in a second but uh, uh it looked like mark this was uh, tabulated by myron x coleman so did you have much in the process of counting the ballots or anything or just kind of leave it up I, to myron yeah i don't believe i did i think this one was completely farmed out um Again, this was sort of the spirit of delegation that was going on at the time, um, seeing what other people could do, even though I probably could have could have handled it. But if someone is enthusiastic, has an idea and wanted to do it, you know, I'm not going to take over everything on it. But, yeah, as, as I recall, this this was all Myron's uh, Myron's deal. OK, excellent. Um, then there's also an unofficial award category where promoters could send in, you know, kind of comedic awards or just any other awards that didn't fit into other categories. And that was something else that PWI did at the time. Uh, promoters, you can kind of read through those, but it's kind of interesting to see some of the, the choices here. My brother, Chad, sent in future manager of the year as Omega. Uh, that was a, an interesting choice for the, uh, for the long term. Um, <laughs> Trying to get this out. Dave, Dave Simonek had two uh, funny choices he sent in. He said, poster boy for birth control, Genghis Khan. Uh, but then I can ruin Ouch. any wrestler's career by teaming with him, Adam Blast. 
Poor Adam. <laughs> Obviously not a bomb squad fan there. Um, and then continuing in our Norse gods criticism, we have the dumbest move in the GWF was the Norse gods becoming good guys. That was sent in by uh, Jason Davis. And uh, some, other, some other ones as well, even some tie-ins to real life wrestlers. So promoters, you can read through that in the links we post in the podcast notes. And then I like here how it kind of wraps up this, this section. You have some quotes from some of the award winners, uh, Pulsar, Bishop L, Omega, and Massacre. You can definitely see their characters coming through in these quotes pertaining to their awards. Uh, Mark, did you write up these, uh, these quotes? They don't seem like me. That's all I can say. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's possible um, when I see something that says I'll use that stupid plaque as hellfire wood. <laughs> I don't feel like that's something that would have come off of my fingers onto the, the word processor there. But sure. yeah, as many things have been lost in the mists of time, that may have been as well. Sure. Uh, just that there's, you know, that quote at the bottom there where I put Mark and Dave at the end, like, thanks to everybody who voted. That makes me think that I didn't write those because I was just putting that tag on at the end. So um, sure. I'll, I'll give Myron this one too. Okay, sounds good. So, but yeah, just kind of interesting to see uh, the the choices the promoters made for that year, having the, the first two sets and uh, how the wrestlers played out for them in their feds. All right, thank you, Corey. Uh, Stewie, there's a special segment in both newsletters called Race for the Belts. Yeah. Thoughts? <laughs> Well, it appears that this is a section, and Mark, you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong, where it was uh, op an opportunity for promoters to kind of analyze what was going on in their feds with regards to their particular titles and their number one contenders for those titles. And it appears that uh, this was going to give each promoter an opportunity to send these kind of rankings, if you want to call that, or mini rankings in to the uh, super report. Randy Barning started it off. Uh, he does the January issue, and he, he I'll read through his champions and number one contenders to give you a flavor for what this art or what this section of the newsletter was trying to accomplish. Uh, his GWF, GWF champion was Thantos, and the number one contender for that belt was Massive. Yay, Massive! Always felt Massive was underrated. Uh, in terms of the tag team, his GWF champions were Brute and Massacre. The number one contender for that, for those belts, was Titan Power. He then had an intergalactic title, which appears to be a notch above the interplanetary in terms of Mr. Barning's Fed. And that champion was Bishop Hell. The number one contender for that belt was Wolf. He had an intergalactic tag team championship. And the Greek gods held those belts as of January 1989, and they were the number one contender for that belt was uh, Incredible Badger and Battering Ram. And then he had an interplanetary title, which appears to be his version almost of a tertiary or a television championship, in which he has Battering Ram as champion, and the number one contender for that belt is Lord Nexus. Is Mr. Barning still around? Do we know if he's still playing the game? It's article. I'm guessing you're not. asking the wrong person if you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna guess Randy is not playing the game anymore. I but he could be for all the crazy uh names that people use on the discussion board. And in the February edition in the race or February edition of the race for the belts, we had an entry by David Wagoner. And David contributed his world champions, or excuse me, his champions, I should say, in the various the number one contenders for those belts. 
His GWF world champion was Wolf, and his number one contender for that belt was Mad Jester, which uh, strikes me as interesting because I never knew Mad Jester really got all that high with promoters, but he obviously did for Mr. Wagoner. The, his tag team champions were the Gladiators of Aethera, and the number one contenders for David uh, for that particular belt were the Royal Family. And then his secondary championship was called the Satellite TV Championship, or satellite, and his Satellite TV champion was Bishop Hell. The number one contender for that belt was the Bounty Hunter. And Dave Simonak makes the comment at the end of this, interestingly enough, for David Wagner. He said, I would also like to make a note that David has an excellent method in which he does his letters and I was overwhelmed by its superior looks. I recommend you write to Mr. Wagoner. So the editor-in-chief of this particular newsletter is encouraging all to reach out to David Wagoner, and rightly so. So those were the February race for the belts, or that was the February section, or the, the race for the belts section for the February edition of 1989 Club Galactic Super Report. And with that, I turn it back over to our esteemed host, Chad Olson. All right, thank you, Stu. So, Tim, you're going to uh, do a little focus on some of the special match rules that had uh, come out in, in these two issues. I guess the, the Crooked Ref we already talked about from February 9. You want to touch on the, the January 89, those two special matches? Sure. Uh, so we had uh, two submissions, uh, one by Myron X. Coleman and one by Chad Olson. Uh, it's Chad's uh, specifically the the scaffold match, which uh, was such a big part of his set as we've we've read over the past few issues, and uh, with Myron the black hole match, which really became I think one of the bigger or more well used matches by other promoters once it kind of got out there. Um, it, it's kind of like the old Memphis cage where you've got the cage that goes around the entire ringside area. Except that in this, it, there are weapons that are hung from the cage. So almost like in Mad Max and Thunderdome, not mm -hmm. WWE's Thunderdome, uh, but the Mad Max Thunderdome where there were weapons inside the cage that people would get and could use. So it was kind of a combination of those two things. And it was four out of seven falls. So it's like the World Series of, uh, of matches. <laughs> I, I think when I used it, because uh, I did use this on, on a number of occasions, I would knock it down to like two out of three or three out of five. But uh, um, it, but I think that this may have at some point won a match of the year or something like that if I if I recall correctly down the road. But um, but it was I, I remember seeing this match in, in people's results and that. And then Chad, I don't know if you want to uh, to go into the, the scaffold match, your your pride and joy, uh, you know your your signature uh, match. So. I mean, I just completely lifted that from Superstar Pro with most of those things. <laughs> No, I just took I took the charts and adapted them to this game. Yeah. Um, I do think now it's funny. Level one, number five, blind with white powder. Oops, I, I think that was a mysterious salt or other white powder. Not not a more infamous wrestling white powder. Ah, not not a. Yeah, I'm, we're not going to go to specifics. <laughs> well, anyways, it wasn't, wasn't what's, a, what's a chicken fight on a scaffold? When you're hanging from the bottom and you kick at each other. Oh. I think that that happened in one of the Road Warriors Midnight Express ones or something. No. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz you had to knock them off like level 1 was the the platform you didn't knock them off, but you normally didn't just throw somebody off. They went to the bottom part which was level 2 where you're hanging off the scaffold. 
So, so the fall is like slightly less damaging to you. I mean, we, we had safety concerns, yeah. <laughs> Mankind hadn't, yeah, gone yeah. off the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell in the cell yet. Yeah. So, Matt or Mark, do you guys re- recall ever using, like, the black hole match? I used the heck out of the black hole match. I really did. I mean, and I used... I remember using Scaffold uh, too. Um, oh, you're too kind. I feel like... Yeah, I feel like there were other people's rules, at least for that one, and I, you know, like... But I do definitely do remember using that like level one, level two deal with that. But yeah, black hole got a lot of usage for me. I I feel like I'm I'm with Tim on that one. I don't even know if I went best four out of seven ever. I think I probably was just doing two out of three. Uh, well, I might have done it once and then realized this is ridiculous. I I can't. Keep doing that. <laughs> I think that's exactly what happened to me. I'm like, my God, yeah. this thing's never going to end. Yeah, yeah. But I I both of these matches I definitely used a lot. I don't know if I used the black hole match or not. I, I want to say I did, but I know I used the scaffold match. And just quickly looking through my 1989 results, which I have sitting here, I saw that the uh, Blood Brothers beat Titan Power in a scaffold match to win the tag team titles. So Woo-hoo. there you go. I'm a Blood Brothers fan. I approve of that. All right. So you had mentioned your Aether death match in um, your Federation Fanatic of the Month. Do you recall creating any other matches or special rules along the way, Matt? No. Just used everybody else's. <laughs> Mark, you come up with good names, couldn't come up with matches. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, come on. We're trying to build bridges. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. Come on, man. I have the high ground. Come <laughs> on. <I was> <laughs> Speaking of the high ground, there's a lot of lightsaber usage in the black I, hole match. I, I, I think was I, just going to say. Yeah, clothesline opponent with lightsaber. It's like, man, they decapitated Count Dooku with that gimmick. Well, well, then a number eight slash opponent's arm with lightsaber, dis- decreasing his power by one. <laughs> oh, I mean, promoters, you got you got to look at these rules in the in the PDF. It's, it was a more innocent time. Yeah, <laughs> they were kindler, gentler lightsabers back then. There you go. Yeah. Batteries were low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mark, you created quite a few matches along the way, but yours tended to be more like kind of epic encounters, right? Yeah, um, I had a few that were just like Royal Rumble-ish. I know I, I had a, a event every year. I believe I always did it in September. And it was almost like Royal Rumble cage style, um, you know, no DQ kind of things. Um, yeah, I, I, I always wanted to sort of scale things up maybe not to the point of you know wrestlers dying as in some other uh some other matches that, that have uh, or maybe will be discussed but yeah i was i was content mostly to to go with whatever people put in you know handbooks or newsletters thing was so i i shouldn't you know make him uh feel bad for that because i didn't come up with any really good lasting ones of my own either <laughs> okay um so Corey. Moving into the the Federation history part, do you want to do the recap, please? Absolutely. Yeah, this has become a popular part of these uh, early Super Reports, both at the time the Super Reports came out and then also now as we kind of go back over them. But in the January history, uh, the focus was on the tournament to crown a new GWF champion. Uh, uh, Timeline-wise, this would have been, you know, 2087 or maybe end of 2086. So some of the turns of the 2087 characters are starting to to come come through or or uh, will happen in the next issue but uh in this tournament uh, it ends up with a cosmic cage match final between commander sam and genghis khan 
and maybe not uh, a final that a lot of promoters would have expected. But uh, in the end, we find out that Commander Sam uh, wins it and takes home the heavyweight championship. Um, Can I tell you why that was? I was just going to ask. Yeah, it, you know, the background of this. This, this, is, this is how my first heavyweight title tournament went. I wondered. <laughs> okay, <laughs> That's awesome. exactly how it was. Uh, back before I knew how this game was played. Yeah, it was Commander <laughs> Sam and Genghis Khan in the final in a cage match so yeah that, that that's how that that's why that was written that way okay well good bring in your own experience to the story that's awesome that's awesome why not write what you know yeah um and so then in february uh we pick up from where we left off in january with commander sam as champion um it talks about him defending the belt with honor for the first few months and that um tag team tournaments were being scheduled to crown tag team champions um, we're, we have uh, an article about a six-man tag team match with the Greek gods and Massif against the Gladiators, and now this would have been Wolf Bruton Massacre, um, and we find out here about Wolf's turn and becoming a hero, and you know, Thantos is surprised by this, uh, so Thantos goes looking for help uh, on the villain side of things. He uh, talks to Killer Queen. We kind of see some uh, segments here almost uh, in, the, in the article, um, and then related to Killer Queen, we find out about the space croppers of Renegade and Vanity. Um, Vanity's still a hero at this point, and Vanity at first uh, getting an offer from Killer Queen to join the villain side, he rejects it. But then we scroll ahead to May, and Queen has finally convinced Vanity to, to come to the dark side. Beast Rider is betrayed, and um, it's money that leads him to, uh, to join up with uh, the royal court, or the evil ones, as they were known at that time. Um, and then, yeah, we have kind of have a summary of here of these new alliances with Wolf on the hero side, Vanity on the villain side, and just the things that would lead up to that original 2087 set. Um, any, you know, reality in your fed here, Mark, or just kind of a, a story you put in to connect to the tournament? Any, any memories yeah, of this? Yeah, it was mostly just to, because uh, obviously when I had my tournament, everything that was in the original handbook was already aligned. So, you know, Wolf was with the heroes and Vanity was with the villains. Um, so that's, you know, not canon from my fed quote unquote, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. Like, yeah, Wolf for Vanity seems like a fair trade. <laughs> they really got that one, right? Uh, I like Vanity been, better. Hey, hmm, who can we recruit to replace this absolutely savage beastly guy? Let's get the dude with the cute haircut. Let's, you know, <laughs> that's no talent at all. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just a way to connect the, to the stories to make, the, I've talked about it in other episodes when I've been on, you know, it's just filling in all those blanks, uh, to make it make sense. And, you know, this was pretty decent, you know, make Wolf be kind of the, the lone wolf who didn't want to be told what to do by his teammates, vanity going for the money, you know, he, he was, uh, they played to his vanity and, and they won him over. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on this history? Because, um, you know, as we went through the, the recaps earlier, you, you mentioned in the uh, threads in the post um, how your Enser character was kind of influenced by Mark's history. And we talked about your um, MWF flashback article. So I think you must have been a big fan of this like I was. Oh, yeah. I, first of all, I, you know, no idea how Mark found the time to write all of these things because i mean this was pretty detailed and you know multiplied by however many issues it went through i mean he had an incredible backstory to all this stuff so I mean, at that time of course we didn't have any backstory or alternate story or different universes or anything this was this was it until 
um, Tom would put out a new set that would, you know, kind of contradict what Mark's history was. Cause I looked at it as the official history at the time, because that's all we knew. <laughs> right. And, you know, Tom didn't look at it that way, but that's all right. Okay. My God, I always wanted Santo Drubrini to come in. I, 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 that yeah. was, you know, well, whatever happened to that damn guy anyway. Maybe someday. Maybe May someday. Bang. Okay, so then in uh, the issue, oh my gosh, I lost my super reports. In the February issue, we have an um, article about Galacticans. Galactican, what the hell is how they phrase this? Galacticians. I don't know. I don't know what this word was. <laughs> Sounds like somebody, some interstellar person is going to do your hair. Yeah, I know. Or, or check your <laughs> eyeballs out. I'm not sure. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> one of 44 GWF wrestlers in a huge tournament against other Galacticans who are also characters. Confused? I, you know, I read this. I was still confused, to be honest. Um, uh, I, I think what this was happening is that they'd draw your name, you'd be assigned a guy, and then they'd have a tournament. So um, I don't recall entering in this. Um, I don't know, Matt, did you do this? I don't remember. Yeah. At, at first when I was reading this, I thought this was the Club Galactic Dream Federation thing. That's what I thought at first. And then I'm like, no, that was a little later. So. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think this was just that, you know, Corey would be assigned Reptilo and, and Tim would be the Creeper and Matt would be Spike. That, that makes sense. And I, I would be the Bounty Hunter and away we'd go. So I don't know. Jim Crockett was the bounty hunter. Oh, okay. Well, he he was a big fan. So yeah. Mark, any, any recollections of this? Was this like completely a Dave thing? That's all Dave, man. I didn't do anything (laughs) because I didn't understand it either. I remember this exact same, uh, whenever I read, I was like, okay, I think I understand, but this seems a bit ambitious and, um, not that, um, clear. I guess. Yeah. Um, although, you know, I, I think it's one of those things, like, I can't say that every idea that I ever had, I was able to express perfectly. So, um, but yeah, that honestly, if you had never had hadn't reminded, if I hadn't looked at this in this newsletter, I would never remember this had happened at all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got to put, unfortunately I got to put this one all on Dave. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll see in upcoming months what uh what develops with this tournament, as none of us remember. Um, <laughs> but hey, it'll be a surprise. Yep. And then uh, Stu, we had some new members in each of those issues. You want to take a poke at that? Sure, we certainly did, Chad. In the January issue, we had four new members. Uh, the aforementioned David Wagoner, who had his uh, race for the belt uh or had, had a submission for the race for the belt section in January or in February. John Moore of Bellevue, Pennsylvania, Chip Fletcher of Boonville, Maryland, and Mike Day of somewhere in Connecticut. In August, and that'd be Boonville, August, Missouri, uh, given that zip code. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, there may oh be a sorry about Maryland, that. We don't have any six five zip codes. Let me put on my glasses and see. That's that's an MO and not an MD. Yeah, blame that it's a dot matrix printer, you know. It's old technology. We can't keep up with it with our eyes these days. I've driven (laughs) by Boonville, Missouri before. Have you really? I I think so. It's probably on the way to St. Louis. Uh I mean, not much. I'm I'm looking here. Oh, no, that's way down south. I don't think I've been there. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, maybe I don't know. 
This portion of the show brought to you by MapQuest. (laughs) Google Maps, thank you very much. Did you see Chet Fletcher when you were in Boonville, Missouri? I'm trying to. Oh, he's. I I just used Google Earth and he waved at me. There you go. (laughs) In February, we had two more members join. uh, Josh Hansford and Brian Brand Vanderwall. Vanderwall. Yeah, Brian. Yeah. I used to correspond with Brian way back when, when I started the game. So I actually know him or know who he is. So both of those. I would like to say that, that I I recently uh, was messaging with, with Brian on the discussion board. And I will say that he is the only other person I have ever heard of who has played the APA bowling game. There you go. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So there you go. So it's not just me, but Brian was an owner and a player of, of the bowling game. So there you go. Yeah. Brian, you know, um, he's that address is Nevada. That's like 10 miles from here. So, um, Brian and, uh, Jared balls used to come over to my place and we would watch pay-per-views. Uh, we, we'd always get the WWF and ECW ones. We never, it was never even discussed about getting a WCW one. I don't know what that says, but yeah. And, uh, Brian used to, um, you know, we'd game together. He was big into racing too. I, and I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. he's yeah. big into, you know, legit bowling too. Um, no, oh, okay. But we, yeah, we played a couple racing games um, before. Um, yeah, he, he's big into gaming of all types. So, uh, yep, Brian's a good friend. I hope he's doing well. I haven't seen him in a while. I'll echo that. Very nice guy. I will say, uh, I, I'm Mark, was there money due when they joined? join the club galactica because you have a rather frantic appeal for their eight dollars by january 31st <laughs> yeah <laughs> january issue that's reiterated at the bottom of the issue <laughs> yeah i think i had what i did was i think it was like per we were doing some sort of per issue thing for a while or they they had to have like an initial like send me however much it was up to it might have been prorated for that first year and then i think i was like okay in january i'm just going to hit reset and so everybody who's in the club from there i can just go okay they got a year from the whole 1989 would be paid for and then obviously anybody who joined during the year if they join in february they have february to february if they join march march to march i think i was just trying to get it on some sort of at least as many people as possible on a calendar year basis but yeah something like that it's a bargain at any price yeah exactly totally so there you have it, Chad. Those were the right. new members for January and February. All right. So uh, let, let's go to you first, Matt. Um, any closing thoughts about reminiscing over these issues or, you know, just thoughts about that that time period as a game fan? Oh, so young. Jeez. Um, <laughs> Weren't we all? <laughs> yes, I, I believe that is true. Yes. Um, no, it's like I said before, just an enjoyable way to connect, you know, with people that you wouldn't connect with because you know pre-internet and pre-driver's licenses and you know this is and here we are you know so much later it's still a big part of my life and I mean there's been some gaps in between but without you know getting started without being in Club Galacta probably well maybe since there wasn't that connection with other people maybe things wouldn't have continued for me and wouldn't have lasted this long Mm -hmm. but um it was just an important, important part of those teenage years. And the game is still an important part in whatever these years are now. Very good. Very good. Mark, any closing thoughts? 
Well, I will say, all kidding aside, I was uh, very touched by what Matt said about the the history uh, segments. It was just I, I was just a kid just writing to write. You know, that's that's always been my thing was was creating. And again, I've said it before with these uh, uh, other episodes that I've been on. And Matt even alluded to it also that, you know, you even though I'm not as connected with the game community as I used to be, I still am in touch with a lot of folks from that time and friendships have been formed in other ways beyond just, you know, rolling dice and the cards. And I still look back, even though there were other things that weren't so great about these times and running a newsletter. Uh, most of it was, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was a lot of fun to uh, just be connected to other people at a time when it was hard to connect you had to do it through the mail uh, maybe occasionally through a long distance phone call but that cost money then so it was a lot of it was through this kind of correspondence once a month uh keeping up with folks and uh i do treasure it and i treasure all of you even you matt oh thank you <laughs> you See, know we came together we, we're bringing people together. That That's the whole point of Uncharted Territory. We're the mega powers now, I think. There you go. <laughs> and, and Tim's going to take off his skirt to distract everyone with his bikini. There you go. That, there that, you would, go. Be, that would be a severe distraction. Uh, that would, it would empty out the arena as well. <laughs> it would be an empty arena match. Yeah. It didn't start out as an empty arena match, but, but that's how it ended up. It finished that way. 30 people killed in the stampede to the end. <laughs> Well, we do appreciate both of you joining us, and uh, you're kind of welcome to hang out here for a couple minutes while we wind things down. Um, as we do uh, every week, we'll give the uh, panelists an opportunity to give any parting parting thoughts or closing thoughts or parting shots. Hopefully not too many shots. Tim? Well, I just want to, you know, as always, want to thank people for listening, and I uh, just want to note that um, I, I did uh, put in the mail today to Todd my contribution for the uh, Galacticon auction. Hopefully, it will uh, it, it it will uh, be be good for for somebody uh, and and raise some money. Uh, it's an interesting contribution uh, that that Paul Barnes had much less uh, involvement in than Stu gave him credit for, uh, but it still. A, a worthwhile endeavor uh, between myself, Paul, and uh, the inimitable Bob Hoffa. It's in the mail, folks. Hopefully, uh, Todd will get it and have it up there for, for sale soon. All right. I can hardly wait. Uh, yeah, talking to Todd last night, there's a lot of great things uh, coming at him to uh, benefit that auction for the Tragos Thes Hall of Fame. So we greatly uh, appreciate that. And I know there's been a already a bidding war breaking out online over the color of chaos artwork that um mike uh mike delve had drawn up by randy bugdale so uh folks you better save your money for that one that could get heated Stuart, do you have any closing thoughts on this fine evening i have two chad uh, i want to say a big shout out and congratulations to the university of virginia baseball team for making the college world series after a four and twelve start and it looked like they were going nowhere They've made their third College World Series under uh, this current coaching regime. And they had a real gutty performance to get there uh, on the game before the, the qualifying game or the game that they actually qualified. Uh, their pitcher went eight, in, eight innings with a bloody blister on his throwing hand and it would really gutted it out. Um, and then they had a grand slam in the game that uh, got them in the College World Series to win it. So 
kudos to them. I'll be watching. I know, Chad, that's something that you have enjoyed going to over the years, the College World Series, and I hope to make it there eventually. Uh, the second, it's not really a shout out, but just very happy to see that uh, Danish soccer player Christian Eriksen is doing well. That was a very scary moment. Um, we were watching the uh, Euro Cup match on or this weekend against uh, Finland. And Ericsson collapsed and had a cardiac arrest on the field. And in the words of the trainer who was working on him, he was gone. And uh, they did resuscitate him. And he is now uh, conscious and doing much better. And we're happy to see that uh, because that was one of the scarier moments I've seen in an, any athletic contest I've ever witnessed. So good to see that. And with that, good night, Denmark. All right. Thank you. Corey, what do you got? First of all, I want to just uh, take a moment and thank Mark and Matt for doing the show tonight. Appreciate having you guys on. And promoters, you can find links uh, to these two issues of the Super Reports in the podcast notes. We'll have them linked for you there so you can read along and uh, read some of the other things we didn't cover here on the show. So I posted in the uh, indie wrestling section last week uh, a link to Impact Pro Wrestling's Facebook page. Uh, longtime IPW wrestler AJ Smooth wrestled a 15-man gauntlet, so he against 15 wrestlers to try and qualify for this year's Hall of Fame Classic Tournament in Waterloo in a couple of weeks. So uh, it's a great series of matches, a great effort by AJ, and uh, you can check that out and uh, see how AJ did, see if he's going to be in the Hall of Fame Classic in a few weeks. So just want to put a plug in for that. Also want to give shout outs to our fellow podcasters and YouTubers in the Phil Singer Games world. Uh, Mike, Sam, and Todd at Roll Up, the official podcast of Phil Singer Games. Uh, Sam's uh, King of Pro Wrestling podcast. Stephen Tower from After Further Review. Grant Pachoco from uh, the Phil Singer Games fan podcast. He continues his um, championship podcast uh, match of the week every week. Keep that up, Grant. And also Dave Little from Heartland Championship Wrestling, as well as new podcaster Lee, loyal listener of this show, Lee and his Dizzy Dice podcast. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening. And we got some great stuff upcoming in the game world in the next few weeks. All right. Thank you, Corey. First of all, I want to thank the uh, promoters who showed up to the IPW show on Saturday night. Thanks to uh, Thomas and Marcus Keene, Eric Kanishny, and Nick. Um, it was a it was a fun show, and uh, we greatly appreciate you coming out and supporting Impact Pro Wrestling. I hope you had a good time. And then thanks to everybody who took time to um, comment on our our last show. Thanks to Toaster Boy, Lee, Ace Twenty Seventeen, Pike Mojo. Uh, Death Knight 2, Pete Beck, and Travis605, and uh, special thanks to Travis. We've had a lot of great comments about the, the artwork you've done uh, for our podcast, and, and we greatly appreciate it. That was a really cool surprise uh, when Travis did that and you know hit us up with that cool Remco-style uh, artwork. So thank you, Travis. We appreciate it. So for everybody here, uh, next week we'll have another show. We'll keep the topic surprised, not not at all because we don't know what it is. That's not the reason. It's it's super secret, super secret under wraps right now. So we will talk to you next week and uh, thank everybody for listening and stay safe out there and we will see you soon. Bye. Hey, promoters, it's Corey again. Just a reminder that we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions, comments, or topic suggestions for Uncharted Territory, please leave us an audio message. You can go to anchor.fm backslash Corey hyphen Olson 5. That's C-O-R-Y hyphen O-L-S-O-N, the number 5, 
click the message button and record a one-minute message. Or you can email your question or audio question to our email address, utpodcast2020 at gmail.com. That's utpodcast and the numbers 2020 at gmail.com. We might include your content in a future episode of Uncharted Territory. The 2021 George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend takes place July 15th through 17th in Waterloo, Iowa. Come see many of the legends of wrestling and the future stars of the sport. This year's award winners include former WWE and UFC star, the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. Former WWE champion and Olympic powerlifter, Mark Henry. Six-time former WWE women's champion, Trish Stratus. And the dean of professional wrestling, Gordon Soley. And this year's 2021 Hall of Fame class features Iowa's own Earl Wampler, former NWA World Tag Team Champion Don Kernodal, and former WWE Tag Team Champion and Manager Adnan Al Casey. In addition to honoring these wrestling legends, a great card of wrestling action will be presented on Friday night at the Five Sullivan Brothers Center. This card will be brought to you by Impact Pro Wrestling, one of the top independent promotions in the Midwest today. Come check out the Hall of Fame Classic Tournament featuring some of the top young wrestlers today, including Cole Cabana, Brian Pillman Jr., Madman Fulton, Dominic Garini, Gary J., Jeremy Wyatt, and more. And for the first time in Hall of Fame weekend history, a women's tournament will take place featuring Heather Monroe, Red Velvet, and Miranda Gordy. Meet several of the legends of wrestling's past, such as James J. Dillon, Jerry Briscoe, Mr. USA Tony Atlas, Sergeant Slaughter, and more. Also meet legendary wrestling coach and American wrestler Dan Gable. Get autographs from these stars in one of the most fan-friendly wrestling fan fests around. For the complete list of guests, check out the Luthez George Tragos Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame page on Facebook. For all access passes, call 319-233-0745 or visit the link in the podcast notes. Again, that's 319-233-0745. The 22nd Annual George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend, July 15th through 17th in Waterloo, Iowa. hold music mm-hmm. i am a real american <laughs> i don't know good, good choice yeah <laughs>